I'm happy today to have this opportunity to speak to you from God's Word. If you'll turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. And please pray for me. Luke chapter 4. Luke tells us in chapter 4, verse 16, And he, speaking about Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue and on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Notice this scripture says that Jesus sat down after he read the word of God. He wasn't standing in a pulpit like this, but he rather was seated when he began to speak. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisheus, the prophet, and None of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, listen, went his way. That's reading uh, to the 30th verse. I want to use in connection with these scriptures today, a verse found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. The Hebrew writer there said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I'm going to title my message today, An Evil Heart of Unbelief. I hope and pray, while you're here, that you will give me uh, just a few moments of your attention today. I'd like for you to think just for a moment 
and, and I'm not going to try to reason with human logic. That's not my that's not my calling. But I would like you to think for just a moment how you got here. How you got here. I'm not talking about necessarily being here at Huntington Missionary Baptist Church. I'm, I'm talking about just how you came to be. This is a big undertaking. And there's lots and lots of ideas about it. I have wrestled over this question myself. God's Word, His inspired Word, uh, wrestles with the question as well. God's Word deals with the hard question. David, in, in, in the Old Testament, he said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Job struggled with the question, If a man dies, shall he live again? Where did we come from? How did we get here? I suggest to you today that if you are leaning toward what science says, then we may as well just pack up our Bibles and go home. Science would have us believe that we just evolved from some little one-celled creature until everything, you know, is as it is now. That the earth is millions, perhaps billions of years old. And children especially, I want you to hear me, that's a lie. It is a falsehood. And I want to tell you that science, real science, when it is real science, when it is true, it is always found to be in agreement with God's Word. God's Word tells us that we were created by Him. But I've got to say, in the things that I understand about the Bible really troubles me. Jesus Christ, in His own words, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man can come to the Father but by me. And He said, no man can come to me except my Father, which is in heaven, draw him. Now the Bible tells us, God says, I am God and besides me there is none else. And that troubles me. And the reason it troubles me is I'm troubled for the, for the Muslim. I'm troubled for the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Jain. I'm troubled, I've got to be honest, also for many, many people who say that they are Christians. I'm troubled because of the way they say they uh, have been saved or think that they've been saved. And there are many of our, our brothers and sisters in the Christian faith who really do not know that they've been saved. And they really do not believe that you can know that you've been saved until you get there. And I've got to tell you, there's just no peace in that. There's no real joy in that. And I don't know how you can hope in that unless you know for sure that you've been saved by the grace of God. Jesus Christ came. He tells us himself he came to save that which is lost. He tells us himself not only did he come to save that which is lost, but he said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And this, this meeting here today, 
the Lord promised that whenever two or three of us are gathered together in his name, he said, there I will be in the midst. That comforts me. I'm troubled about all of those people who are worshiping some other God. And in fact, uh, the book of Acts tells us, Peter says, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And God's word limits salvation to Jesus Christ and him alone. I've got to tell you, that troubles me. But I am thankful to God today that I know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I don't know what your thinking today is. I really don't because I can't see your heart. But I know God can and does. The heart. I want to tell you about the heart this morning. God's Word. God's inspired Word. And by the way, since Jesus Christ is the only way, right here in my hand, right here in these pages, is the only way that you're going to find uh, that you can be saved. There's no other way. Jesus' name is the only name given to us where we can be saved. His word is divine instructions come down from heaven to show us the way. We are living in darkness. We are lost, and we have lost our way, and many have tried to find their way. And you can look at the history of this world and see the, the answers, the solutions that men have come up with. God's word, uh, the Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, they worshiped a God called Moloch, and they took their children and they laid him in the arms of this molten hot God and they sacrificed their children to this God that they thought this is the way of salvation. God's word, glory to God, is a way that no man ever imagined that the Son of God would come down from heaven and die on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins. It's not the way we would have imagined. Glory to God. God gave us a way to be saved. I am so thankful for that. The heart. God's word tells us that we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I tell myself I love the Lord, and I do. I tell myself I love the Lord with all of my heart, and there's times when I think I do, but when, when I'm really thinking clearly, I know I clearly don't. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my home. I love my pleasures. I love my Harley, for heaven's sakes. You know, I hope and pray it doesn't ever stand between me and the Lord. And I'm glad that things like Harley Davidson don't keep people from going to heaven. But I love all of these things, and I love God, and I know that there are times in my life where I don't love God as much as the Bible says that men ought to love him. And I venture to say that it's not likely any of you do either. Isn't it wonderful, though? Isn't it wonderful that we can, we can thank God that we can be saved by the grace of God, even though that our love for him falls far short of the mark that God has set for us? Oh, and wouldn't it be grand? Wouldn't it be grand to live in a world where all of God's people love the Lord with all of their heart? And say, Lord, yes, I'm willing. 
I'm willing to give everything up that I could just walk with you just for one little, little moment of time. I tell you, folks, we don't really comprehend what it is to love God and to know the amazing love and grace that God has given to us. But we're commanded to love God with all of our heart. I'm thankful. I'm really thankful that God's plan of salvation didn't require of us that we'd have to love him that much, because I'll tell you, we'd all be banished from heaven. We'd all be on the road to hell today with no way to recover ourselves. God's love for us is greater than that. Praise the Lord it is that he loves sinners, and he loves people who don't love him near as much as they ought to. That's one of the standards that God has set for his people. God's word tells us that we should guard our hearts because out of it are the issues of life. It's what comes out of a man that defiles the man because he said it comes out from the heart. God's word tells us in the Roman letter, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Heart. One more verse in Jeremiah. You need to hear this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I would ask you today, friend, do you know your own heart? And we're, we're challenged, we're, we're warned in the book of Hebrews to take heed or to beware lest in any of us there be an evil heart of unbelief. The book of Hebrews is troubling with this verse. Biblical scholars aren't sure. They, they think maybe the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians. If that's the case, brothers and sisters, this verse, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. It applies to us. And I think it does, but it most certainly applies to them who do not know the Lord. Take heed, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Do you know your heart? We are, we are to seek the Lord with all of our heart. Pontius Pilate would have given his right arm to have known the truth, to know what truth is. We've all been in circumstances like that. We want to know the truth. The, the Jewish world, the, the religious world, when Jesus came, they wanted to know the truth. They, they sent many to Jesus, tell us who you are. Who are you? Finally they said, tell us once and for all who you are. They wanted to know, but Jesus said, I've been telling you, but you're not listening. And, and God's word has been making it possible for you to hear who Jesus Christ is. I wonder if you're listening. And I wonder today if you have within you an evil heart of unbelief. Jesus Christ went down the Jordan River probably at about the age of 30 years old. And he sought out the Baptist preacher that was down there preaching repentance. And Jesus, glory to God, he didn't go there because he had to repent. He went there to find scriptural baptism. He went there to be baptized by the one who was authorized by God to do the work. 
And when he came to, to John, John said, I have need to be baptized of you. Uh, but Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now, because thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness or to do the will of God. And Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit of God came down upon John, and John stood there and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's my message today to you. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is no other. There's no other person. There's no other name. There's no other way, no other road, no other method to be saved. But to come to Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness after his baptism. I believe Matthew's gospel tells us that the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Jesus had to go there. And he was there 40 days and 40 nights fasting. And the scripture says that he ate nothing, nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. But the devil came to him and tempted him. And the scripture says he was tempted in every way just like we are. Yet, praise the Lord, without sin. And when he came out of the wilderness, he came preaching repentance. Because the kingdom of God surely is at hand. And friends, today, that is the only way that you'll ever get into the kingdom of God. Is acknowledging your sin and being brokenhearted and sorry, grieved for your sin, and to come to this glorious, wonderful Savior and, and ask Him for mercy and grace. And you can be saved. Glory to God. I don't care how great your sins are. I don't care how many they are. You know, it doesn't matter because Jesus came to save sinners. <clears throat> Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And he saved me. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Jesus came out of the wilderness preaching repentance. And the scripture tells us that he, I, it doesn't give us a frame of time here, but I believe a sufficient time went by for the for the. The Jewish world, Jesus rocked the Jewish world. And the scripture says that there, went a, there was a fame went everywhere about him. And when he came to Nazareth, he came into his own country, and he went into the synagogue as his nature was, his custom was. And they had a, they had a man who was the officer of the synagogue. And uh, Jewish men were allowed to read the scriptures. Think about it. They didn't have a Bible in their day. Uh, you know, they were, they were fortunate if they just had a part of the Old Testament scriptures and, in, in many places. But Jesus went to this little synagogue in, in Nazareth, and, and, and he rose up to read God's Word, and he was given the book of Isaiah. It's a big scroll, a big scroll written on papyrus or something of that nature. It would have been huge. It would have taken him a few moments probably before he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Give sight to the blind and strength to the lame and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He handed the scroll back to the officer of the synagogue and he sat down. Luke doesn't tell us, but the, the, the story here seems to indicate that Jesus spoke more than what he said here, that this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Because they were amazed at the things that they heard, but when they heard it, their response to the, the message of the Lord that day is, Hey, this is Joseph's son. 
I don't know what the population would have been, but it was a little small town. It is likely everybody in town knew who Jesus was. And it's likely Jesus knew who every one of them was, too. That's the way it is in a small town, and they knew everybody's business. They knew this man grew up in a carpenter's shop. They knew he never had the opportunity to, to go and be taught in the school of Gamaliel or anybody like that or to be taught by the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They knew that he was an unlearned and ignorant man, but here he is expounding to them the word of God. And they were blown away and they were confused, saying, this is the carpenter's son, this is the son of Joseph. And Jesus told him, prophet is not accepted in his own country. And he, he gave them an example of Old Testament Israel. In the days of Elijah, when there was a, a famine in the land, a drought for three and a half years, Jesus said, God didn't send the prophet to anyone in Israel. He sent him to a widow of Sidon, a Gentile. And in the days of Elisha, the circumstances were just as grave, and that prophet wasn't sent to anybody in Israel either. But Naaman came uh, from far away Syria and found grace and mercy from God uh, in, in that time. And Israel was sitting there, you know, the, the chosen people of God, hearing, reading the words of God and, and rejecting the Lord. I fear... I fear some of you are doing the same thing. I don't know how, I just simply don't know how to appeal to you strong enough that you need to come to Jesus. What kind of heart do you have? Is your heart hurting today? Does your heart Long for peace, forgiveness, hope, assurance. Whatever, whatever it is, I'm here to tell you the only way that you can find it. Young children, the only way that you can ever find peace in your heart and in your soul is to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, these days in America, you never see lost sinners come to an altar and pray and seek the Lord. I'm troubled about that. I'm troubled about the fact that God's Word says one day God is going to destroy this world. I'm troubled about the fact that God's Word reveals that uh, that there are few that will find grace and mercy with the Lord, few that are going to be saved, but yet we're seeing the, the reality of that in our times, that there are few people that will listen to the message of God and will take it to heart. There are so many that are, are just strong-arming God and just saying, just like these, these people in Nazareth, no, no, that's exactly what they did. They finally did on Calvary's cross, fulfilling God's will, an unbelievable way of redeeming lost men from their sins. And think about it today. Just a step of faith. Just by a step of faith, you can come to the Master and acknowledge your sin 
and be pardoned and have the peace and the joy and the hope of eternal life.